Being Catholic is awesome, and every day I give thanks that I get to be Catholic. But there are some difficult things about being Catholic, things that other people do not like. And we had an example of it here at the parish a little over a week ago. There was a mass at which there were a good number of non-Catholics present. And no matter how welcoming one tries to be, and we confess how it pains us that there's division in the church, and because of that, we cannot share communion. There are people who are mightily offended, despite our best efforts not to be offending. You know, there's more offense brought into the world by people taking it than by it actually being offered. And I guess that's understandable. It usually comes down this way. Someone will come up to, and say, you know, I'm Christian, and if you came to my church, we would give you communion, and I'm in your church. I am left in the pew during communion feeling like a leper or something. It's a really uncomfortable thing to confront. And occasionally, one of our parishioners will come up to me and say, you know, what do you say back when somebody says that to me? And it's difficult to answer because it requires more than a 20-second bumper sticker answer to make everything okay. The closest to that kind of answer might be this. It's because we're not in union. There is a division in the Christian church, in the body of Christ, and Jesus' mission was to make us one. This pays tribute to the reality that we are not one. And if we just ignore that, we would never have this conversation that we are blessed to have today. And the scandal of the division would never be faced or impossibly rectified. So that's a simple answer, but it isn't the kind of answer that makes most people happy. Maybe no answer will. But it's great to come up with an answer that'll bring calmness to your heart. Even if it doesn't satisfy every person with whom you come in contact. Because really, you know what, this is out of our hands. It's not for me to decide, it's not for you to decide. And we really need to come to an answer for it within ourselves. So here are some of the things that brings peace to my heart. I find it fascinating that in all of Jesus' miracles and teachings, rarely was anything done or performed privately. The dividing of the fish and the loaves, his baptism when the uh, Holy Spirit comes down upon him, the raising of Lazarus, the Sermon on the Mount, these were all very public things in order to let the world know that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior sent into the world, the example for us to imitate, the way, the truth, and the life. Yet when it came to the institution of the Eucharist, he brought only his very intimate circle together. Not those that he was trying to convert, but those who were already 100% with him to a private room and in a quiet way did something very, very different. It was one at the same time his greatest gift of self to his disciples and the beginning of his greatest betrayal. 
The betrayal by Judas was only so intense because Jesus' self-donation to them was so complete and so intense. And that's why love in general is so scary. There's nothing more terrible than opening yourself up to somebody and professing your faith and how much you love them. To be so vulnerable before them only to have the other person scoff or reject or laugh at that love. If you could find that out before revealing yourself, you might just shrug your shoulders and go, oh, I'm so glad I didn't make a fool out of myself. But if you told them that, and then you were rejected, you cringe every time you think about it for a long time, go, oh, why did I say that? Why did I open myself up that way? But here at the Last Supper, Jesus takes his closest friends. These are the ones with whom he has shared everything. Life, day-to-day -day life, his teachings, his miracles, his trials, his dangers, his joys, his self-revelation, his love. And he was very clear as to what was true and what they could expect and gave no illusions that being true to him would mean that they could expect an easy life. And then something strange happens, very strange. Jesus takes bread off the table and he says to them, this is my body. And he breaks it and he gives it to them. And a little while, while later, he takes some of the wine off the table and said, this is my blood and gives it to them. What does this mean? For 2,000 years, we have believed that it means exactly what Jesus said it means. That at these words of institution, the bread and wine will cease to exist except in their accidents. Accidents meaning that it, it still tastes like wine, it still looks like wine, it still smells like wine, it still behaves as wine. But it has been entirely replaced by the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. That it is as clearly Him in the Eucharist as He was present to His disciples 2,000 years ago. Even if that is difficult for you to comprehend, just think for a moment. What if this is true? If this is true, then this is the most important truth ever. He is not a symbol. It's not a mixing of symbol and reality. He's not somehow present, but not in a way that's clearly understood. But yes, here he is, truly and wholly, vulnerably, intimately, in deepest love, in the type of love only a bridegroom has for his bride. And as bridegroom, Jesus hands himself over to his bride, the church. And he says, bring me inside of you. So deeply do I want to be one with you. That's incredible, mind-blowing. God is that intimate with his people. The groom, that intimate with his bride, that he hands even over his body to his beloved. This is the wedding feast of the Lamb. And if there is a wedding, who is marrying whom? 
In all of scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, it's God's relationship with his people is described as a nuptial relationship, culminating in that ultimate expression that Christ has for his church. So when we gather here, we're not just doing a mental thing. We're not just doing a spiritual, ethereal thing either, but a very physical thing too. Our whole selves and Jesus' whole self, mind, spirit, and bodies intermingling. A complete self-donation, a handing over of self, making of many one. The very center of this covenant this sacred handing over of ourselves, we giving of ourselves in Christ, Christ giving his all, even his body, literally, to be within us. This is an incredible, intimate action, and is why, if we have done anything to disrupt disrupt that relationship, cause division, which is the definition of sin. Before we approach this altar to receive him, we will go to confession to repair that division in our relationship so that we don't lie with our bodies, pretending to be unified with our bodies, but being divided in spirit. The visible and the invisible must align. So for us, none of this is symbolic, or beyond reason or comprehension. And it is only after someone understands this and what is at stake at the heart of this relationship, this covenant, this love between persons, that they can join us at this table. That one cannot casually just allow someone to get communion as if it were a thing or a symbol. It is as inappropriate as a married couple allowing another person into the most intimate action between them at the center of their covenant. But if they do wish to, to be in communion with us, to be in common union, then we do welcome them. But first you have to know who and what this relationship is and give yourself over to it completely and wholly. This is the relationship, the union, the covenant, the love that caused men and women to lay down their lives and to become martyrs. It was not for an idea. It was not for a teaching. It was not for a set of rules. St. Sebastian did not face martyrdom two times in order so he could make the sign of the cross. He and they did it for a person a divine person with whom they were in relationship and on the most familiar of terms. That's why I become a celibate. Because if it's anything less than this, forget it. Anyway, that's what I would say. That's what brings me peace. And today, I'm inviting you to join me and uh, all of our ministers up here today in an extravagant expression, a public extravagant expression of our love for Jesus present to us as the Blessed Sacrament. Following the end of this Mass, we won't have a dismissal for those of you who are able to join us. We're going to process straight down this aisle, and you're invited to file in right behind us. We're going to go out the doors walk down Schneider Park and into uh, St. Julie Billiard Chapel, which 
At which point, when you get there, we'll have benediction, the bridegroom giving his bride his blessing, followed by donuts, so it's worth the travel. If you are, are not able to walk, please feel free to drive over there and meet us there. Uh, we've been putting it in the bulletin and whatnot. Make sure you're not blocking in anyone here who has to catch a plane or something immediately following Mass. And I look forward for you to join us in our expression of love to the bridegroom.